Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about why Trump must fight, election skullduggery summary, the Constitution's election solutions, and unity in Biden's America. And then, of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. <clears throat> and welcome again to America's Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I have to tell you, folks, I know that one week ago today on this show, I told you that Trump was going to win by a landslide. I know I said that. And you know what? I stand by it. I stand by that what the actual vote count in a, made by legal voters who voted in the time frame permitted by the laws in their state that are actually not fraudulent votes, the count of legal votes, I still stand by my prediction, Trump won in a landslide. It does not mean that he had to win 90% of the vote. It means the idea that President Trump won more than the needed number of votes for the Electoral College, despite what the media is going to tell you and despite what we're going to talk about today. I will tell you that in the, uh, as a con contrast between where we were and other election cycles, back in 2008, when the Republican Party nominated John McCain, I said on that, the day he was nominated, as it became obvious he was going to be the candidate, I told anyone who asked me, there is no chance on the planet Earth that John McCain will beat Barack Obama. Not one chance. I still supported his campaign because he won the primary. I still voted for him. But I didn't have a sour grapes feeling when the election happened because I think everyone sentient could see that John McCain was not popular, even with Republicans. He basically got nominated out of it. It's his turn. He's been there long enough, kind of begrudging, uh, letting him get next in line to be the candidate. He did not engage, inspire anybody. And everyone could see how Barack Obama had galvanized the Democrat voting base. So I didn't have sour grapes after 2008. Even in 2012, when Mitt Romney ran against Barack Obama, who was seeking his second term, I did think that perhaps Mitt Romney had a better chance than John McCain because America had gotten a chance of four years under Barack Obama and conservatives would realize many Republicans even who might have voted for Barack Obama the first time around out of some idea that it'd be great to have the first black president soon realize the guy's a radical leftist. So I thought maybe that Romney would beat, by, would, would beat um, President Obama. And he did not. Now, that is an election where we could go off on the evidence, even at that time, about whether what kind of skullduggery occurred uh, with respect to the manipulation of votes inside electronic voting machines. There was evidence at the time this was possible, a demonstration done to show people how it was done, how it could be done. But I did not have sour grapes. It wasn't sour grapes, uh, the, the reaction to um, what was happening uh, at, at the end of the 2012 elections. But this time, my insistence, my, my fire, my passion for the idea that Trump must fight to defeat the fraud in this election, in this 2020 election cycle, that Trump must fight, the American people must fight, the people who back President Trump must fight, is not sour grapes either. 
it is outrage at the idea that when you look at all of the obvious indicia of voter fraud, very suspicious conduct, violation of law, the whole series of things we're going to lay out today, that at the very, at, at least at this point, less than a week after the election of, of uh, 2020, after November 3rd, everyone who cares about the future of America better be in the fight to stand up, at least at the very least, to expose the illegality, the fraud, the wrongdoing that seems to most obviously have occurred in this 2020 election cycle. And we must push every single legitimate argument to its, to its extreme, to go to court over it, to fight for it. Because as we'll lay out for today, what I'm gonna try to do today in the show today, I'm gonna try to lay out the examples of skullduggery, what actually happened, we already know happened, what is extremely suspicious and seems to have happened. And then we're going to talk about the Constitution's remedies to deal with where we are, because Election Day is over. What, is it, what are our remedies available? And finally, I want to have a very solid, rock-solid reminder to you in the last segment about what a America under Biden would look like. And the reason I want to talk about that ties back to the beginning of the show right now. I want you to leave this show so inspired to do everything you can think of legally to get behind the idea of insisting that the America deserves an honest election, deserves to have an examination of all of the potential wrongdoing that seems to have been uncovered in this election cycle. I want to ask Matt the wonderful, first of all, I have a word to show you. I used to do a word, every show I did, I had a word of the week, a word of the day. I'll show you this fun word. This is what we're doing today. Learn, this is a new vocabulary word for everybody. Um, it's cephology, the study of elections. Cephology is actually a word. That's what we're doing today, cephology. That's it. And also Matt the Wonderful in this first five. I want to ask you to play a clip. This is a clip by a, a, a um, lawyer who's gotten involved at the moment. He's down, I think, in Georgia. Uh, his name is Lynn Wood. His last name is Wood. And he has gotten involved in the Georgia election as the behest of President Trump to try to press through to the honest conclusion of what happened in Georgia on election night. Matt the Wonderful, let's hear from Lynn Wood. I was, uh, I was sitting around Tuesday night watching uh, the election returns. I've loved politics all my life since I first voted in 1972. And I saw what I assumed was going to happen. I saw President Trump building up what I believed was going to be almost a historic landslide victory. And then all of a sudden, every network, including Fox News, started doing what they do best. They started lying to the American public. And they took a victory from Donald Trump and they called it a lie. They took a defeat from Joe Biden and lied and said he won. And they sent you to bed, turning off the count of the vote so you could wake up tomorrow, the next morning like I did and go, what happened? Because there is a cloud over this country. And if we don't get it right and we don't figure out what happened that night, that cloud is going to get darker and darker until it turns into a storm cloud and we're going to lose our freedom. So it is time to fight back. I've heard over the past several months, maybe a little bit longer, 
they've almost neutered the word. Well, it's a constitutional crisis. This is a constitutional crisis. Let me tell you, this is a constitutional crisis. And if we don't fix it and find out what happened and get it right, we're going to lose our constitutional rights. When they take away your First Amendment, they're going to come after your Second Amendment. And then they're going to take away your due process. And then they're going to put you in jail because you're a dissenting voice to the ruling elite. And you're not even going to jury trial. They're going to take away your constitutional rights. This is a constitutional crisis. That, my friends, is a guy on fire. And he kind of summarized the many things we want to talk about today. But in this first five, I just want to hit a few points. Obviously, you're all watching as the media is attempting to coronate just crown as king Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And she obviously really would be the only one who's uh, actually running the country because Joe Biden will be in the basement of the White House and he'll probably think he's in the basement at home someplace, not running the country. And Kamala Harris, a radical Marxist, will be in charge of this country. This is why so many people are concerned. I will say this, very, I don't, I'm not being hyper, uh, this is not hyperbole or exaggeration. Where America stands right now, we have one path ahead of us that we are literally on the doorstep of becoming Venezuela. What that guy was listing, what you heard that lawyer talk about, this is the Marxist leftist agenda that whether Biden stays as a figurehead or not, or Kamala Harris, if the left side gets their power in the White House and they take control of the Senate, which has now come down to two races in Georgia, amazingly, both Senate races in Georgia, if those go the way of the Democrats, so the Democrats have the Biden in the White House, the majority in the Senate, and a much reduced majority, but still a majority in the House, every single radical Marxist idea that the left has floated in the last 20 years will become law. The only way we can stand up against it, the only way patriots who still want America to be free will be able to fight back is if cases get to the Supreme Court. And that assumes that you don't have the uh, Democrats packing the court, which is something they have been promising and threatening all along. I'm getting to the point, at the one hand, we're in the precipice, literally speaking as we sit here today, on the precipice of becoming Venezuela or Cuba. On the other hand, when I finish telling you all of the various ways in which there were most obviously was serious, serious, fraudulent activity engaged in by the Democrats across this country, especially in swing states, it will become obvious to you that if truth wins, if the Constitution wins, if the American voter actually gets to do their, have their role in our democratic republic and vote for the officials who govern us, which include the president, then we're on a whole different path. Then you have, maybe, you have the Republican majority in the, in the Senate, maybe you still have that. You most definitely have a very weakened uh, Democrat majority in the House because so many Republicans won. In fact, that's one of the many things we want to talk about today. Uh, and we're going to talk about mathematical uh, unlikelihood. But we literally are at a decision point right now. Whether or not America is going to surrender to the effort of the media to coronate Biden, to shush all of this clamor about vote fraud, to silence people in America, say stop thinking about it, you know, campaign season's over, Biden won, go home, everybody stop talking, everybody stop looking into things, just stop, stop, stop. 
telling the American people that the thing is over and you're foolish to still be arguing. This is what the media is trying to do. And so that is exactly what you should not do. The time is now for activists, conservative, Republican, Constitution-loving Americans to stand up and speak up to make sure that all of the apparent fraud that seems to have happened in many different ways in this election cycle is exposed, is litigated, and the consequence of that fraud actually comes to roost, comes to bear at the feet of the Democrat Party. That's what is needed. That's why this is such an important time. And you know, I, I have told you all, if you listen to my show all the time, in 2016, are we, I happen to support Ted Cruz when the primary was going along. He's, uh, I'm a Texan, he's our senator, I happen to know his family, I like them very much. Having said all that, I am so grateful that Donald Trump is our president. So grateful we have a fighter who is not going to concede. He is not going to concede to this avalanche that the mainstream media, which now includes Fox, and MSNBC and CNN, and all the left-wing CNN, all of them, Washington Post, New York Times, down the path of talking about what kind of China pattern Dr. Jill Biden should choose and who ought to be in the transition team and who Joe Biden might want to have in his cabinet. The discussion is intended. It's a psyops operation, a psychological operation intended to make the American people say, well, I guess it's over. I mean, all they're talking about now is, you know, who's Biden's cabinet going to be? Understand, we're at a crucial decision point. We have major battles to fight, major battles to insist on a true and honest election. So back my point about McCain and Romney. If I thought that Trump lost the battle, lost the election fair and square, we'd be having a different conversation. We'd be talking about how do we protect ourselves from the radical Marxist ideas that Biden and, and Harris and the Democrat House, and uh, we don't know about the Senate yet, but how, how do we defend ourselves against them? What are our arguments? What are our attacks? What's available? How can we fight this? That's what we'd be talking about. But we don't need to be there yet. We shouldn't be there yet. We're still talking about who won this election. I am not contesting the election because my guy didn't win. Because I think he did win. In fact, I think he won a landslide. We are contesting what is not just the Democrats' effort to claim victory, to coronate Biden, to have him marching down the steps, down the path to becoming president. But we're also fighting the psychological effort the media is using to try to make the American people get disheartened, to give up, to fold up their tents and go home. Now is time to be part of, if your state is engaged in anything involving a recount, volunteer to help. If there are rallies in your area, wherever you are, pro-Trump rallies, go to those rallies. Be part of the physical presence that says to America, we're watching, we insist on honest elections, and we're not going to shut up until we get them. Many of you watched election night. As you got later into the night, it looked like, wow, you know, Trump's got this. And as you were hearing from that uh, uh, lawyer, Mr. Wood, a few minutes ago, you wake up in the morning and go, wow, what happened? What happened? And what happened was you had in several swing states the, the cease and desist, the stopping counting votes, and then the next day, a magical number of votes for Biden appears and makes it, well, who knew, you know? Turned out Biden won after all, even though it looked like Trump won. This happened in state after state. These are not things that we have to just say, well, I guess that's the way it go. You know, sometimes things go this way. Who knew? We don't know what happened. We have to insist on complete uh, transparency, sunlight of truth into the entire process, and then we'll find out where that takes us. But in wrapping up the first five today, I'll say 
the reason I'm talking about this so much is not, not just because, not just because I want honest elections. I do. But I also think there are still literally millions of Americans who may have cast their vote for uh, Biden because they think that, you know, well, the media keeps telling us Trump's a bad guy. Maybe I could, you know, maybe we can get over all the turmoil in our country. Maybe the riots will stop. Maybe the, the protests in the streets and the riots and the burning of buildings and shooting police officers. Maybe it'll all stop if we just get rid of Trump. There are those kind of Democrat voters, foolish, foolish, but not motivated by my point in this, not motivated by the Democrat agenda, not motivated because they really, really hope on day one that if they get a Biden-Harris administration, that they'll show up in Washington and issue a mask mandate. In fact, this is what he's now saying, Biden mask mandate, mandated track and tracing, mandated social distancing. He is turning, he will turn this country into a Marxist country overnight, people overnight. You won't recognize your country, which gets to why I'm doing this now. And I get to the end of the show talking about what the Biden presidency will look like, because I do think millions of Americans who cast their vote for Biden did it. to They thought it would make peace. And they also did it because they had absolutely no idea what today's Democrat Party stands for. Their heads are still in the Democrat Party uh, when their dad told them to vote Democrat because they are nicer to the unions or because Democrats stand for the little guy. Don't you know that? There are all sorts of reasons people vote Democrat, which has nothing to do with who and what the Democrat Party is today. And so I'm going to wrap up the first five by saying this. We have a huge task ahead of us. I want to divide the show today and kind of summary this segment. Next segment, I'm going to tell you, just even touch on the buckets of the kinds of election fraud that is evident in front of us that we are waiting to uncover and, and expose and have litigation over and get to the Supreme Court over. But understanding the breadth, the scope, and frankly, my friends, how very, very, very long the Democrat Party has been working at orchestrating this corruption of America's 2020 elections. This did not get cooked up a week before the election. This did not get cooked up on election night. What, we're, what you're watching, what you're going to hear about today are things that the Democrat Party has been working on and had in place for a long time before getting to election 2020. And they thought they'd get away with it. They thought they'd have America saying, well, who knew, you know, I thought Trump would win, but turns out Biden won. And they did not anticipate, and they continue to not give enough credence to the idea that Trump is a fighter and that his supporters are fighters. The fighters need to stand up now. It's not enough to read about it in January, February next year and say, wow, turns out, geez, uh, Democrats really did steal this election. Wish I knew. Now is the time to learn the facts, to understand, and then get in the fight to make this a fair election because my overwhelming certainty is if we make it a fair election and actually only legal votes count, Trump won hands down. And that, my friends, is today's first five. So I want to turn and talk about the uh, kinds of uh, corruption that we're uh, seeing in front of us. I think I called it election skullduggery summary. And the reason I want to do that in part is because I don't think there is... Um, it isn't just one particular thing, like you could point to one particular district and say, oh, well, you know, I see what happened. You see in a, in a you know, congressional district X in this state, this happened. It's not just that little things happen in states around the country, although they did. Many, many bad things happen in states around the country. 
But the larger picture is there is a massive legitimate concern about the, what the means the left used to tabulate votes and to flip votes in the early voting, um, the computers that contain the data from early voting, the actual manipulation of computer-held data that recorded the early votes. Now, I will tell you, if you are big into following politics, you probably saw the, the interview by Sidney Powell. She was on Lou Dobbs along with Tom Fitton, and then she was on again, oh, I think yesterday, uh, with Maria Bartiromo. So Sidney Powell, is who is, you know that name of course, she's the woman who represents Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. She is one of the, the premier lawyers in the country, widely regarded, a brilliant lawyer, a former prosecutor, a brilliant writer, researcher, thinker. She is a, a, you know, an award-winning author. She's a uh, best-selling author of two books. But the real thing is she's a legal mind way above most legal minds. She went on Lou Dobbs and said essentially that they, and she's now working directly, Sidney Powell, directly with the White House team on uncovering the fraud that we watch in this election cycle, the fraud that's right in front of our faces. She is, I don't know if she's leading the charge, but she's a central attorney working for Trump in challenging this election fraud. She made a statement and um, she made it on Lou Dobbs. And first, I'm going to just tell you what it was. I'm not going to play it, and I'll tell you in a moment why I'm not going to play it. She said, there has been a massive and coordinated attempt to steal this election from we, the people of the United States of America, to delegitimize de votes for Donald Trump and to manufacture votes for Joe Biden. They have done it every way imaginable, having dead people vote in great numbers, uh, dead people vote in great numbers to fraudulently manipulating data inside the, the voting um, tabulation software. And this is the same thing. If you're sounding familiar to you, if you listen to my show all the time, in fact, you can go back and you can find an interview I did with a gentleman uh, who's based in Dallas, actually, named Russ Ramsland. Russ Ramsland, his organization, ASOG, Allied Security Operations Group, has these massive guru experts diving in. And, and as far back as 2018 and even before that, they were able to show that a person who was determined to manipulate election data, and what I mean by that is people who vote early, so you know you vote early in many states, the data is held in a computer, and for reasons of not wanting to sway or manipulate the election, that data is kept secret. We never know how the early vote came out until election day. So you have early vote, usually have a period of time between the end of early vote and election day, and in that time period, the data is stored somewhere. What Russ Ramsen has been able to prove, his organization has proved, I've seen the lengthy demonstration of it. We've had him on this show two or three times. You can go back and listen to those interviews. They've been able to show not just that it is completely possible to hack in to the data, that, to the computers where the data is held, the data are stored, that t tell you how many votes, in this example, Biden versus Trump got, but it's also possible to manipulate it, to change, to shift 3% of the votes, or whatever percent you pick, 3% of votes from one to another. And, he says, it's possible to do so without leaving a trace, almost impossible to uncover what, what has been done, 
and you don't have to be a, a guru cyber uh, security. Uh, you know, you don't have to be a, a rock star guy. A person with an average amount of intelligence, average amount of knowledge of how to, to hack into computers could do this. He showed in many of the demonstrations, he, Russ Ramson, how this occurred in 2018. And what Sidney Powell said, now they're giving that background, I know Sidney has heard Russ Ramson's presentation many times, she knows the whole story. She said on Lou Dobbs, she said again on Maria Bartiromo that it is clear, she didn't say maybe, she didn't say might have, she said data were manipulated that were put in from early voting, data was flipped from a vote for Trump to a support for Biden, a vote for Biden. And she's setting out to do the litigation to make that presentation to courts in this country to point out this is one way in which there has been cheating in this election cycle. Her exact words were, they use an algorithm to calculate the votes they need to flip. So they look at how many votes, that uh, how far Trump is ahead. They use an algorithm to calculate the number of votes they need to flip. And they use computers to flip votes from Trump to Biden. And if this were some goofball hanging out in the street corner saying this to you, saying this, I wouldn't be telling you about it. This is not someone who would randomly, casually make such a, an enormously consequential and serious allegation. This is Sidney Powell. This is Sidney Powell, premier, top-tier lawyer in the country, well-known, well-trusted, and she's telling America this is what they did. And she's part of the team, the Trump team, putting it out there. Now, that Lou Dobbs little segment that I mentioned, that was on, I don't know what day, Friday or Saturday. So I, I grabbed that because I thought it was so significant and I put it up on our Facebook page, America Can We Talk Facebook page. It was not, okay, it was Saturday for sure. It was not up one hour when Facebook took it down. They didn't take it down. They do one of their, uh, this has been fact checked by independent fact checkers. This is inaccurate. This is not true. And they block your access to hearing it. So you can't hear it. Now I'll tell you folks, I don't want to get any more, I, I, so I don't have it back up on YouTube because they keep taking things down like this. But if you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down list of links, you will be able to see later today a link to Sidney Powell saying exactly what I just told you. They had to put this interview with Maria Bartiromo on BitChute. That is one of the new social media platforms that does not censor people. BitChute is B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E. You can hear her there. So this information from Sidney Powell, she goes on to point out not just that they did this, the Trump-Biden race. She also said she thinks Doug Collins who is running for Senate, a favorite of conservatives. Doug Collins had his race stolen from him, and John James had his race stolen from him. So two other Republicans who would now be in the U.S. Senate, and she's saying are not there because of this actual, you know, fraudulent, isn't even strong enough a word, blatantly dishonest flipping of votes inside the computer software that's, that's holding the data about voting. So that's what Sidney Powell is saying. It's one category of this. I'm talking about how important it is for us to be on top of what the left is doing in this election cycle. What she's saying is monumental. She is part of the team filing lawsuits. We'll see what happens this week. 
how much of that comes out. But you can actually watch. If you go back to the first time I had Russ Ramson on my show, which is a while ago now, but we actually played the video that his team came up with that showed you could actually see the internal software measurement at certain numbers, and then at some certain point, it just flips. I mean, he's actually been able to show that. This was actually in a race, uh, I think, in Kentucky, the governor's race in Kentucky, I think. Point is, this is not some little, you know, um, hothead person who's trying to think of every possible way the left could be cheating. This is Sidney Powell who's seen the evidence, and that's what she's saying happened. That's the number one way the Democrats tried to steal this election from President Trump. Second point is that 6,000 vote glitch. We've, I, I think that you've all probably read about it by now. It was in Michigan and Antrim County, Michigan or Pennsylvania? I think Michigan. But anyway, where they could show that the uh, computer uh, program, the software in Antrim County, the software called Dominion, flipped 6,000 votes from Trump to Biden. Fortunately, the um, people caught it and, and said, oh, hey, hey, sorry about that. Let's flip it back. But that same software, Dominion software, is used in most of the counties in Michigan and in all the swing states. And so at the very least, at the very least, every single place where this software has been used needs to be subject to a manual recount of votes. A manual recount, and if they don't have a paper trail, we're in a world of hurt, my friends, a world of hurt, if they cannot produce any way to do a recount. What Sidney Powell's calling for, she used this term, uh, we need an audit. She said, we have to fight tooth and nail in federal court to expose fraud and the and she actually calls it, and she, as I say, she chooses her words carefully. She doesn't just spew, she's a very careful speaker. Fight tooth and nail in federal court, says Sidney Powell, to expose fraud and the conspiracy behind it and get a recount and audits in most of the country. In most of the country. So we had that little episode going on. We had the 6,000 vote glitch, which was the Dominion software. So every place using that software ought to be re-examined, a full audit done. Uh, we had, the, as Sidney Powell, we were just talking about the, the flipping, the electronic manipulation of vote totals, switching 3% of votes. We have violation of the laws relating to mail-in ballots on a massive, massive, massive scale. I mentioned it last week, but the Constitution provides that the state legislatures, the people you vote to be your state senators and state house members, they make state law, they make the law about what uh, the rules are about balloting, how long early voting is, uh, when's the last day to register to vote, all sorts of rules like that. Every state has their own rules, so you have to know in the state you live in what the rules are. But you have in um, the Constitution the clear authority given only to the legislature. And yet, in this election cycle, when the left was so hysterically driven to get rid of Trump for any reason, to get in, you know, Bozo the Clown if they had to, anyone, just get Trump out of there, you had changes made by entities and individuals who are not state legislators, not the legislature meeting in session to pass a new law, 
but individuals saying, hey, you know, in light of COVID, we're going to push off the deadline to send in your mail-in ballot. We're going to push off the postmark deadline. We're going to push off the date by which we have to receive. They just ignored state law and made up their own rules. Fortunately, in that particular arena, you've already had Justice Alito, Supreme Court Justice Alito, issue an order, I think in two states. I know it's been in two states. I don't know if he was the author of both orders, but he was definitely, definitely the author of one where he said he ordered the state to segregate the mail-in ballots that arrived by 8 p.m. on Election Day and the mail-in ballots that came in afterwards because these states have been deciding without the, the support of law behind them how far past Election Day they'll accept ballots and count them in the vote tally. And if you didn't know this, I'm really clear about something. The reason these things are important is this. If you have mail-in ballots, and some, it's very different, by the way, absentee ballots are very different. Absentee ballot is, if I knew I couldn't go in and vote on election day for whatever reason, and I sent a request to my election department, I said, I want to vote early, I'm going to vote by paper this year, please give me an absentee ballot, and they send me one, and I get it home, I fill it out, and mail it back in, that's an absentee ballot. I asked for it, I filled it out, I returned it. Mail-in ballots, the problem why it's been so extremely alarming to people is that the mail-in ballots were sent out unsolicited, sent out to millions of people who didn't ask for them, and they're floating out there, and whoever knows what happens to them in the U.S. Mail Service and who gets a hold of them, and, and it's very, very difficult to figure out whether someone voted twice who voted the mail-in ballot being sent back to you? We have, and so these are kind of the, the big pockets of serious, serious reasons to demand close inspection of this election cycle. The 3% of vote flipping is going to be uh, electronically is going to be something that a court's going to have to look at. Experts are going to have to explain, lay it out for the court to see how much happened like that. That's a huge thing. The mail-in ballot thing is just going to be a, an effort to determine whether or not the state sufficiently segregated mail-in ballots submitted in a timely manner versus late mail-in ballots. So the mail-in ballot is a whole other source of massive potential fraud in this country. Um, and I want to tell you one of the things that's happening. There are, of course, now people on the ground, lawyers on the ground for Trump, volunteers all over the country looking at the voting turnout, saying, how, did, how could this be that it was all for Trump? Everything's going great. He's clearly going to win an election night. You wake up the next day and, hey, lo and behold, Biden won everything, pretty much everything, all the swing states. And there's a lot of inspection uh, closely uh, to what has actually happened. One thing I happen to know happened was in some states, the people reviewing the voting data are realizing that there was an inordinately high, meaning massively higher than possibly comprehensible, massively higher than anything that was, would be consistent with past voting behavior of people who register to vote. And in some states, you have to remember, when you go to get your driver's license, they automatically register you to vote. So you didn't really try to register. You maybe not even cared if you registered. They have people who registered when they got their driver's license or some other automatic way who never vote, have no voting history. Maybe they got their, their uh, voter registration years ago. No voting history, but they're still there in the books. And then you have, lo and behold, a lot of these longtime registered never voters showing up as having voted on election day. Now, 
I know defenders of the left, defenders of Biden, people who say there's no such thing as vote fraud, will say, well, you know, this is a really unusual election. A lot of people fired up. A lot of people probably didn't ever vote because they didn't really care. But this time, they're either fired up because they love Trump, fired up because they love Biden. No one's fired because they love Biden. People are fired up because they love Trump, maybe fired up because they don't like Trump and they want to vote against him. So maybe that explains some of that. It does not explain the numbers. There are many, many mathematical, um, statistical experts who are pointing out that many serious, egregious things in this election cycle make no sense statistically, make no sense mathematically. I'll tell you one that doesn't make sense even logically. So everyone, I mean, the House, Nancy Pelosi, was bragging before the election about how she was going to, man, this is going to be the Democrats' election. They're just going to take this. Uh, they're so ready to roll. You know, they're, they're going to take over the country. They were wound up as all get out. Well, as it turns out, uh, the U.S. House, uh, if you want to just understand how extreme this was, support for the Republicans was in this election cycle, Republicans defeated at least seven Democrat House incumbents including one longtime committee chair. The GOP stands to gain 15 House seats. Pelosi had been saying that the Democrats were going to gain seats, that people hate Trump so much because she hates Trump so much. She figured she could, that she could tell the American people, oh, yeah, we're going to have a huge growth in the Democrat majority in the House. What happened instead? Republicans defeated at least seven Democrat House incumbents. If remaining ballots fall their way, the GOP gains as many as 15 seats. And here's the final thing. Democrats, on the other hand, failed to defeat a single GOP incumbent. Please process that. You tell me that in America, and house races are a great example, a great barometer, because every person in the country had the opportunity to vote in a U.S. House race, because every member of the House is up every two years. Every member of the House has to go back before the voters every two years. And this election cycle, where Pelosi's trying to claim that you know, the Democrats are going to sweep it where the, the Democrat media mob, the mainstream media is trying to claim that Biden won the popular vote. Biden won all these swing states. Biden won all this stuff. And yet not one Democrat could defeat one incumbent Republican House member. These two things do not compute. Both cannot be true. And everyone knows this. Now, I understand mathematically that could be true. But in common sense, here in the world of reality and common sense, that could not be true. And everyone knows it. And everyone knows it. Uh, you know, this. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of funny comments about it. Pelosi's been out talking about how she wants to run again to be the Speaker of the House. And a lot of people saying, you know, you, know, you kind of cooked your goose. You promised a big Democrat surge. And, the, and honestly, the Democrats barely held on to the House. So another, but in this segment, we're trying to talk about in this segment, and I know I have so much going on here today, but we're trying to talk about this idea about, you know, election fraud and is there really evidence of it and what is it and, you know, election skullduggery. So you have the 3% vote flipping electronically that is being described by been described already by Sidney Powell. You have the glitch. And by the way, glitch is such an intentionally manipulative word. Glitch is kind of like a typo. Oh, oh, goops, I, uh, oops, I goofed. I, I, I typed a typo. 
A glitch is a little tiny mistake. Computer programs don't think. Computer programs don't reason. They don't make typos like people make typos. When you have a glitch and it flips 6,000 votes from Trump to Biden, and there was another race in Pennsylvania, same thing. It announced a Democrat as the winner. And then actually when the glitch got fixed, oh, it turns out the Republican won. And another thing, you talk about just statistical impossibilities. Why is every mistake we're uncovering, every new batch of surprise ballots, who knew? Here's a bunch of new mail-in ballots. All the glitches they discover, all the mistakes they discover, they always trend to boosting Biden's vote count and taking votes away from Trump. This is not naturally humanly possible and everybody knows it. So I want to just, I mean, the, the other uh, source of election fraud, you know, we have people looking into whether people vote for other people's ballots, massive numbers of dead people voting. I had data about all the people who had to have been born, I think it was like before 1896, in order to have voted, but it seemed like, yeah, that probably happened. No, it was before, before 1900. So people would be 120 years old, but they showed up as having voted. Now, I understand there's a default in some software. If you don't fill in your date of birth correctly, it'll default to some number. They say, oh yeah, it always defaults to January 1, 1900. Well, I'm sorry, there were a lot of way past octogenarians who voted in this last election cycle, and that is very close scrutiny because it probably didn't really happen. But I want to hit, so that was election fraud analysis. I want to talk quickly about possible remedies. Um, and I just, I want to do this because I want you to understand uh, I have the Constitution's electronic uh, election solutions. Tomorrow on the show, we have one of the nation's premier experts on election law in the country, Hans von Spakovsky, joining us, talking about the Constitution's election solutions. But I want you to understand, and again, I want you to be as involved as you can be. But here is the story on this. There is litigation being filed in federal courts around this country. Litigation challenging violations of uh, state law where they, where the uh, election officials let people send in late mail-in ballots. They let, they let ballots be counted that were not correctly filled out, that didn't have the signature and address of the supposed witness, which is a huge thing. And by the way, I think I said it earlier, but the mail-in ballot thing, I know that the left is endlessly capable of coming up with reasons you should feel sympathetic for the people who use the ballots and mock and ridicule someone who is raising concerns about them. You always hear all the leftists saying, the Democrats saying, all oh, the Republicans, now they're picking up the poor folks in the senior home. You know, they still want to vote, these precious Americans, they try to vote, and the Democrats and the Republicans are attacking them. No. The way mail-in ballot fraud is so obvious that even the New York Times had to admit it's a playground for fraud is because if you do things like happen in swing states where you're counting votes on election night and you're realizing you can see who's winning, if you have an uncontrolled, lawless use of mail-in ballots, the people, the election officials who are looking at the tallies from the early vote and the day of voting and realizing, wow, you know, our guy's losing. We don't like this. And they have a lot of time in there to gin up, to create, concoct mail-in ballots to overcome the vote differential, to push their guy over the edge when they can see the voters were actually going the other way. 
This is as old as time. It's not confusing. And everyone who's ever been involved in elections realizes this is why mail-in ballots are subject to such fraud. So where we are um, on possible remedies, lawsuits on the state level, lawsuits in federal courts, these will all get fast-tracked. They'll all get fast-tracked. We're not, you know, they're not going to dawdle in courts for two years. Everyone understands the consequences. The Electoral College, and I know I said this last week, I'll say it again, the Electoral College is the only entity on the planet Earth that has the authority to say who the next president will be. Not Fox News, not CNN, not Washington Post, not New York Times, the Electoral College. The Electoral College meets on December 14th. That is a statutorily provided date. It's like the, whatever it is, I can't remember the exact formulation, first Friday after the second Wednesday or something like that. Point is, is it's dictated by statute. This year is either the 12th or the 14th. Until the Electoral College has met, no one's been chosen as the next president. And at the Electoral College, a candidate has to have, a candidate must have 270 electoral votes. If you don't have 270, you don't win the Electoral College, and then the election moves over to Congress. And that's what we're going to talk in depth tomorrow with Hans von Spakowski about. But I want to make a few points about where we are in this uh, right now. We have the um, lawsuits uh, pending. They may affect the outcome. You may have, as you had Justice Alito tell those two states, you, can, you have to segregate the ballots that came in too late under your state law from those that might be legitimate. You have those and other kinds of orders. You also have um, states uh, that have the authority, and this gets a little bit dicey, but it's possible for it to occur. The Electoral College is comprised of two people from every state and some others, but let's stick with that for now. And the Electoral College, the two people who are the electors from each state are put there and under the control of the legislature in their state. So if you're a Republican majority, say in you know, Pennsylvania, you're the Republican majority, you're the legislature, you know that the, the real vote count was Trump, and yet you have all these election officials playing with numbers trying to convince you that you know, Biden really won, there appears to be authority for the legislators themselves to direct the electors to vote for a legitimate winner of that state's election, to vote for the legitimate winner, not the winner that the left and, and Fox and, and MSNBC and CNN are trying to say is the winner. But there's some power in the legislators to direct the electors. Next issue is these all the ways we go forward. There's so many paths it could go on, but if the Supreme Court were to hear cases out of several of the swing states, and conclude that the election was fraudulent and that there's no potential remedy available for the state to actually conduct, actually figure out who really won the election in that state based on honest votes, based on actual votes cast early on the day or legal mail-in ballots. If the state has no capacity to do that, they have no capacity to say who won their state. And if the Supreme Court were to rule so many elections in the swing states were fraudulently conducted, or if they conclude that the evidence is overwhelming after shown to a trial court that there was a 3% flipping of early votes from Trump to Biden so that many elections, uh, elections in many states were fraudulently conducted or that the count is fraudulent, 
the Supreme Court can invalidate, just say, this cannot stand as the election from your state. Can't, you can't just cheat and get your way. You can't cheat your way into the White House. And so the Supreme Court could say, we are ruling invalid the elections in these states. Now, people, I'm out here speculating. These are potentials though, that many serious constitutional attorneys are talking about. But the Supreme Court could just invalidate the election in a series of swing states because they cheated, because of 3% flipping, because they counted mail-in ballots, for whatever reasons they have. And then nobody, neither of the two candidates, would get to 270 in the Electoral College. And in that case, the Constitution's remedy in the Constitution and further spelled out in the 12th Amendment to the Constitution is the idea that the election then goes to the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. The U.S. House picks the president. The U.S. Senate picks the vice president. But it's not one representative, one vote. It is done by state delegation. So if you have in the House, as we have now, 26 delegations from a Republican majority states, and those 26 stick with Trump, the House picks Trump. And the, and the 24, the, the other, you know, other states don't have the majority. And so it literally could come down to this. It's come down to it two other times in America's history where the Electoral College could not get to a conclusion, couldn't get to 270, so it went to the House. But it's not every member of the House. It doesn't matter that the Democrats have the majority of representatives in the House. It matters state delegations, state by state by state. So 26 Republican delegations, 24 Democrat de delegations, assuming the Republicans stick with the, with the party, you get Trump out of that, go over the Senate side, and this is where, and, and the Senate side picks the vice president, same kind of idea. And another thing that's interesting to understand about all this, so the president, as most of you know, the president is elected uh, and sworn in January 21st, 2021, or 21st, I think it is. So the president's sworn in, I guess 20th, President sworn in the 20th. But the members of the House and Senate are sworn in on January 3rd. And this election inside the House, inside the Senate, happens after the newly seated House and Senate, after the Senate and House are seated as a result of the elections in the various states. So a lot of places to go. We'll talk with Hans von Spakovsky more about this, but there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of avenues where this could go. And this is why I'm going back to my point about in the beginning about the importance of people being activists. If you have jelly-spined Republicans who are more fearful about riots in the streets unless Biden gets his way, if you have Republicans who, whatever reason they have, may not stand with the party, we need to have the elected Republicans in the House and Senate so aware that their Republican voting base will take them out if they do not stand with the duly elected President Donald Trump. They need to f see the people in the streets. They need to be hearing from you, the members of the House and the Senate, hearing from you. You want to see Donald Trump as president. If we get to this point, the, the energy in the public, the energy at all of these states where the recounts are happening, where protesters are outside standing up for the president. You do realize, of course, that all these rallies around the country, there's never, ever been an organic, we love our guy rally for Biden, ever. I, I truly can't think of one time. The support for Trump is not personal to him. 
although people, uh, his voters love him. But the support for him is because of what he brought to this country, how he changed things, how he fixed America, the great things that he did in this country. And I got one more quick segment before I get to why it matters to you. It's a great segue to it. Last segment today I want to hit on. Um, it really has to do with kind of where we are again in this country, uh, unity in Biden's America. Um, and I actually had a, um, a Ted, I have two Ted Cruz clips I sent. Uh, one, actually I want to play the second one, Matt. Um, it's an interview with Maria Bartiromo. She, he's basically saying to Maria Bartiromo, this is Republican Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, what will happen if Biden wins and the Senate goes Democrat? So we have you know, Biden in the White House and Democrat majorities in the Senate and the House. And here's what Ted Cruz had to say. If we have a Chuck Schumer Senate and a Joe Biden presidency, they will pack the U.S. Supreme Court. They will end the filibuster. They will pass massive tax increases. They will pass the Green New Deal, destroying millions of jobs. If we have a Republican Senate, none of that happens. And so it's, it really is, by the way, if they have a Democratic Senate, they'll add two new wow. states to the, to the country to, to give wow. them, they believe, four new Democratic senators. So if you want to check, yeah. hopefully Joe Biden does not prevail at the end of this. But if you want to check on Joe yeah. Biden, if you don't want to go over the, the edge to the socialist abyss, Georgia is, is, is the big enchilada. I'm going to be there, and, and, and everyone who wants to see Understood. some semblance okay. of calm yeah. and reason and sanity, Georgia's the battle where that's Okay, love Ted Cruz. Uh, just, just respect the daylight side. Love him, and he's so right. I want to hear him say it, because people are saying all over the country, and it matters to understand this. All eyes on Georgia. If Georgia elects, if they reelect the two incumbent Republican senators, which it appears likely they will be, that will happen, this is great. If they elect two Democrat senators, then Republicans lose the majority in the Senate. And you will have, if you had a Biden White House, you will have free skating for every single radical leftist idea the left has ever floated to this country. And you heard uh, Senator Cruz mention a couple of them. I'll just paint Biden's America. By the way, this whole thing he's on Biden's now is talking about, I want unity. I'm sorry, after he's been calling Trump and everyone who supports him Nazis and all sorts of evil names, his entire campaign, to the extent he, he said anything himself, it's really the Democrat Party who speaks, he never speaks, but has been not just differentiating themselves on policy uh, against President Trump's policies, but actually flat out war level attack on everything Trump does. And all of a sudden Biden gets elected and says, oh, I'm for unity. And we're all supposed to go, oh, great, unity, that's me. He doesn't want unity. What he's already threatening to do is absolute destruction of freedom in America. It'll be the Second Amendment gone. It'll be mask mandates. It'll be mandated uh, social distancing. It'll be shut down in America. It'll be mandated track and tracing. He's already committed to those things. On top of that, taxes will be the least of the problem. Taxes on people who actually work hard and earn their money will go up. Everyone knows this. He's not really hiding it. You have the Green New Deal. If you ever did not pay enough attention to the Green New Deal, the Green New Deal is the socialist take over of America disguised as an environmental bill. As I said for years, environmentalism is just the latest vehicle for the socialists in this world to try to take over and deprive America everyone of their freedom under the guise of protecting the environment. The Green New Deal, you will get told where you can live. You will get told what you can drive. 
You'll get told whether your house is too warm in the winter and you got to be a little bit colder. You'll get told your life will be regulated by the government and the Green New Deal is going to tax you to death so that every single American has a job under the Green New Deal. Okay, but legalizing all illegal aliens, you know, you heard uh, Senator Cruz talk about adding two new states. That's not even, that's not all of it. It is the idea of legalizing all illegal aliens, the range of 20, whatever it is, 12 to 22 million, all instantly made citizens, all with voting rights. The idea that the left gets control of this country, the White House, the Senate, and the House, is that there will never be another Republican victory in the national level again. It's nothing less than that. I'm tying back where I started this show by saying we are at the edge of the socialist abyss. We're weeks away from possibly going over the cliff and becoming Venezuela, or weeks away from having what I'm sure was the rightful victor on Election Day, Donald Trump, reelected and continuing course on draining the swamp in Washington. I'll do more on Biden's agenda. We'll have plenty of time to talk about this, sadly. I do really need to turn to talk to you today, talk right now, about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And we start our show out today talking about uh, why Trump must fight. American media deigns to declare the race is over and Biden won. Ruling class elites, Mitt Romney as Exhibit A, rushed to join the mainstream media declaration. This is pure psyops for the purpose of inducing surrender by the American people. Election 2020 reeks of fraud in the presidential race. Election night behavior, mainstream media calls and non-calls of states followed an obvious anti-Trump agenda. Stopping vote counting in key states, followed by a 4 a.m. delivery of loads of new ballots to overcome Trump's lead. And they thought we wouldn't care or notice. Statistical anomalies are way beyond possible. Biden's tallies are not rational. Reconciling with down-ballot results is just too much of a stretch. American patriots must go public with protests and opposition. This apparent election theft cannot be accepted. And on election fraud and count the ways, the 6,000-vote computer glitch switching Trump votes to Biden, Michigan official claiming human error, uh, vote tabulation software is not like a person making an inadvertent mathematical error. Software operates as programmed. Dominion software used in swing states and many more. Why does every glitch seem to result in moving votes from Trump to Biden? Answer, maybe not glitches after all. Maybe purposeful. A nationwide 3% early voting flip of votes from Trump to Biden, as Russ Ramsden and now Sidney Powell have said. Sidney Powell implies there is evidence, not just suspicion. Multiple egregious violations relating to mail-in voting laws, especially in Pennsylvania. Several swing states, huge numbers of long registered but never voters appear to have voted, some via false impersonation. Another investigation ongoing. Election fraud and possible remedies, um, lawsuits in individual states, at least 10 pending or expected this week, may invalidate many thousands of votes, primarily those arriving late as part of a brazen effort to overcome Trump's lead. State legislatures have authority to order electors to vote consistent with true results, to acknowledge disqualifying levels of fraud. Supreme Court is getting engaged. Alito ordered Pennsylvania to segregate mail-in ballots received after the polls closed. Signals high level of doubt as to the constitutional validity of such votes. Ordering a do-over as a presidential race is unlikely and would be unprecedented. Nullifying the popular vote election results, Constitution shifts the decision to congressional delegations from each state. 
and consequences if Biden's declared the winner. Election fraud will have been rewarded. It will continue and expand the entire expand the entire Russia collusion hoax. All perpetrators in DOJ, FBI, CIA, and everywhere in government go free. No accountability. Illegal aliens in the millions to be legalized as part of, a, of creating a huge and they think permanent Democrat voting base. Taxes likely go through the roof. The Green New Deal likely to become law. The left's agenda is to destroy America as founded. And four years is more than enough to eviscerate the Bill of Rights. And that's what the left tells us they intend to do. Delusional and naive Americans must wake up. It's now or never to fight. Consider the prescient words of founding father Samuel Adams. The liberties of our country, the freedom of our civil constitution are worth defending at all hazards. And it is our duty to defend them against all attacks. We have our worthy ancestors. They purchased them for us with toil and danger and expense of treasure and blood and transmitted them to us with care and diligence. It will bring an everlasting mark of infamy on the present generation enlightened as it is if we should suffer them to be wrested from us by violence without a struggle or to be cheated out of them by the artifices of false and designing men man would he ever say those words do they ever apply to america today my very fine friends i'm debbie georgettis this is america can we talk thank you so very much for tuning in every monday through thursday at 3 p.m central time to america can we talk why always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can